Hey there, you're listening to A Time of Monsters, a podcast about our descent into barbarism and the radical left struggle against it. I'm Aaron. And today we've got another special episode for you guys. I'm joined by Rara, she, her, and Yezzy, they, them, hosts of our sister podcast, The Hot Girl Agenda, under the Not Safe and Wonks Media Collective. These are two of my personal comrades, and we have an amazing conversation about their show, organizing and creating media as femme folks, empathy and forgiveness on the left, intersectionality, sex work, and more. Check out their show. There will be a link in the show notes to it. And this was a fun, warm, and insightful conversation that I think needs to happen more in the left. So I hope you guys enjoy. So what's up, y'all? Hey. Hey. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, I guess first things first. Rara, Yezzy, uh, tell me a little bit about Hot Girl Agenda and kind of, um, you know, the the content, but also the direction you guys want to go in, because it feels like a very uh, unique space, right, within like the leftist like mediascape, you know, most of the podcasts that I mean, I listen to as well, uh, are like bearded white men from uh, either the West Coast or the East Coast, you know, and uh, this sounds a little different. I'm excited about it. So what's what's up with that? So, yeah, I uh, I started Hot Girl Agenda last summer um, and originally I was uh, trying to do a stream and a podcast. The stream part is kind of defunct right now. (laughs) It's kind of it's kind of on pause. But um, I started Hot Girl Agenda because I was just thinking, you know, there isn't a ton of like femme leftist media out there. All the podcasts I was listening to at the time and I've been trying to diversify, definitely. But all the most visible podcasts that I've been listening to over the past couple of years have been really masculine and um, have had a very specific kind of vibe. Um, and I was like, there's really nothing out there for, for bimbos. There's really nothing <laughs> out there for, for, uh, for us femme folk who uh, kind of want like a maybe, you know, just a different sort of analysis and a different viewpoint. And I brainstormed it with, uh, you know, our comrades at Not Safe for Wonks and uh, kind of came up with a concept, came up with a name and was like you know, started it. And uh, originally I was trying to do too much by myself. I was yeah. trying to do a three hour stream every week. <laughs> I remember, yeah. <laughs> I, wow. I <laughs> yeah, uh, that didn't last very long uh, because my ADHD ass was like, yeah, we're not doing this anymore. Uh, <laughs> but, um, and then I just started doing the solo podcasts and then, you know, kind of quarantine fatigue started hitting me and and I just started getting really overwhelmed. And I was like, you know what? I need a, I need a co-host and I need an editor. And I just need like another person because like, me being a communist, like I'm all about the collaboration and like doing stuff mm. on my own. It's just like really, you know, it's just not as satisfying for me. Exactly. So I reached out to my mutuals on Twitter and I was like, hey, does anyone want to be my podcast cause? And uh, Yessie was one of the people that applied. I had like a little fancy application and I just I clicked with them on paper so much and I had been mutuals with them for a while. And, you know, we hopped on cam together and we were like, yeah, let's do it. So we've got two episodes in the bag now. And then, yeah, so that's kind of like what it is. Sorry to like. Uh, <laughs> no, 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 that was no, perfect. No, that was perfect. So, so Yessie, how do you feel about like, because uh, again, this is like a really dope project that y'all are doing, right? Like, it's not just that like a lot of uh, these podcasts are hosted by like men, but like they're white men, mm. you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. From a very specific background. 
So like, how do you feel about kind of like getting into like this space now? Because I'm not going to lie. When I first got into podcasting, I hate the sound of my voice. So that's like one thing. But two, it's like, I feel like I'll say stupid things, right? I feel like there's this, I think, image that people expect from like a black podcaster or a Mm -hmm. black writer, right? And I think a lot of what at least I want to do, right, is just be myself, right? Kind of like go outside of those conventions. So like, I bet you're excited as hell to to embark on this. Yeah, Yeah, I'm so excited. Rara is hilarious and so smart. And, you know, not to gas you up all the time, but like (laughs) I I like have always loved the content that she put out and like just her presence on the hell site that we all live on, especially now during the (laughs) pandemic. Right. But yeah, I think you're right. You're absolutely right. Like the content that's coming out of like podcasting, especially even in our left, you know, milieu is like so white and so cis male that like that that it's hard to one create a space for for different voices and two not to have those voices tokenized right so so i think i'm i'm super excited about being on hot girl agenda just because like from the jump it is like definitely not that it's not like Oh, you know, as, you know, femmes of color, we're always speaking for, you know, yeah. like we're emissaries of the femmes exactly. of color, right? <laughs> exactly. Like it's like your delegates, you know? right? Yeah, yeah. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. So it's like it's like refreshing because it's like we just get to be our authentic selves, but we also because of our lived experiences, because of the fact that we both organize, we we have additional insight that we can add and I think that's what makes it so rich, right? Like that's what makes it good content. Yeah, I think we also have um just as organizers, it makes our voices like a little bit different than what, you know, the mainstream kind of leftist discourse can provide sometimes because we actually do as organizers, you know, if anybody deserves to feel hopeless and bitter and cynical, it's like people that actually do political organizing. Exactly. But a lot of us are actually really not as cynical as we come off online. And we're actually pretty, you know, we have a kind of a hearty cynicism where it's, it's, it's really more just a cynicism of like the spirit in a sense where it's like, we still materially go out. I mean, we go out there and we still put ourselves out there, but we're, st- I mean, we could still be assholes about it. Cause it's kind of like, we kind of earned our stripes yeah. in a sense. Right. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. We, when, whenever we sound exasperated on the show, it's always so funny because we're usually exasperated about the same kind of things because, you know, we come from a materialist kind of analysis, you know, as well as like intersectional feminists and as well as, you know, Marxists. So uh, I think we provide kind of like a different vibe than what's going on for a lot of popular leftist podcasts right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. One thing I wanted to note, like um, you were talking about like cynicism, right? And like definitely on the left, there's like the the irony, right? The satire mm. uh, in Minecraft, you know, and <laughs> there's this uh, this really great book by um, Andy, who is the uh, co-host and producer of the Antifada, mm-hmm. who wrote about Posadism. And one thing that he had in the intro that amazed me is like a Posadism, like it became popular, like during the 2016 Bernie movement. Right. And it's because it was this kind of fantastical, futuristic, completely idealistic, even though it was rooted in like Marxism, completely idealistic vision of the future and what was possible. And I think at a time and it was a meme, right? Like you didn't have like a resurgence of like actual like you didn't have a DSA Posadist caucus or anything. (laughs) But I, I think young people 
who were kind of like led to believe that they had no hope for the future, right? Mm -hmm. That if you couldn't even get like universal health care in the United States, if you couldn't even get like an old, like frail man, like Bernie Sanders, he's not frail, actually. Biden is frail. Let, let me correct myself. Spry, <laughs> right? But if you, if, if you that, spry, right? I love that. <laughs> but like, uh, I feel like people felt like if that wasn't even possible, then you might as well like shoot for the stars, right? Literally the absurd. So I think like what y'all are doing is like, yeah, of course you're going to be like cynical a little bit, right? Of course you're going to be ironic, but also there needs to be like this new sincerity on the left. Mm. Yes. And especially from voices that like are not present. Yeah. You know what I mean? Definitely. I, I think being like, you know, there's kind of like the cringe thing of being too sincere online, but it's like, I don't know. I think that we're trending sincere because people are getting sick of having to put up these facades, you know, for yeah. the spectacle, mm -hmm. like absolutely yeah. like Debord yeah. says, right. Yeah. It's like people get sick of having the, the mask on. And I think that it can only really take certain people so far. And, you know, when we've seen like the suffer, the mass suffering, Suffering going on in the past year alone, um, people are having less tolerance for for that. And I think, um, it, and I think it's like two pronged, right? It's like you get the people that are sick of it, that are they don't want the Instagram reality anymore because they know that that's not real. Mm -hmm. uh, they know it's unachievable. Yeah. And then you get the people that lean more into it. You know, it's usually like the hustle and grind Twitter like levels that yeah. are just like you know the influencers, right? Yeah, like influencers, LLC, Twitter. Uh, you know, just bas basically like the ones that want you know they just want to work like sixteen hours a day. Uh, they don't want any handouts, quote yeah. unquote. Um, so I think we're seeing like kind of a splitting off of of um, of aesthetics into like people that are kind of like they're cool with you seeing like the more fucked up side of what they have to deal with, even as like popular people. And then we're seeing the other side of that where it leans more into the spectacle and it leans more into this reality that is not reality mm -hmm. yeah. um, and that they're trying to convince you and themselves that it's still achievable. Um, so yeah, I think it's kind of like a weird split right now. It's like psychologically among like social media users, basically. Totally. And I think Rara, you mentioned this, like kind of the, the pushing of the material conditions, right? Like we are living on the precipice of something that's going to be, that already is simultaneously horrible and horrifying and amazing, right? Like yeah. we are at a moment where, um, you know, the, the systems of, of capitalism and, you know, the superstructure are, are crumbling. And I always, God, I've been on such an Altusair kick lately and I hate it because he killed his wife. He's a fucking killer. Gotta bring that up. Uh, Every time you mention him though, I'm like, yes, I'm learning so much. <laughs> but, but also like, being incredibly depressed at the same time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, 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 you know, it's, it's, it's like the, the spectacles folding back on itself and it's becoming flatter and flatter. And so I think going back to the, you know, this idea of a, like a, a sincerity that's popping up, like a genuineness and authenticity. I think that's coming because folks are like, the facade is crumbling and we need to move towards something that is authentic and real. Otherwise we crumble with it. Right. Exactly. And, and that's interesting that both of y'all brought up like aesthetics and the spectacle. Right. Because like we're all like on social media, you know, and I wanted to talk about with you guys, especially like because I'm still forming my own thoughts on this. Right. The aesthetization of like sexuality. Right. Mm. And like gender. Mm -hmm. Right. Within, I guess, our not even just online spaces, but this left wing movement now that is, again, 
just like the media spaces, very much dominated, right, Mm -hmm. by like white men. Like we've all been to DSA meetings, right, (laughs) and looked around and was like, I've been like, like, yo, is there another brother? There's one right there in the back. Okay, cool. You know, like I'm not going to walk the fuck out. But especially when it comes to like sex, right, and sexuality, because and maybe this is a broad thought, but we can bring it back in. I just want to know what y'all think. I've seen like tweets and even like not just tweets, but discourse, right, from a sensible leftist about like sex and sex work, especially right under like an ideal, like socialist or even communist society. Right. And people and it's the same thing with race, where it's like you'll have people say that racism, like these isms, these problems, like the kiriarchy, right, of oppression will no longer exist, Mm -hmm, right, mm -hmm. once, like, the means of production are, like, owned, managed by the proletariat, right, and they're able to achieve, like, not just self-determination, but, like, master their own destinies. But that's not, like, necessarily true, right? Mm -hmm. And I guess I want to know what you guys think about, like, I'll ask this first, right? Like, as femme folks, how do you guys feel about especially organizing in these spaces? Mm-hmm. What, the, 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 the community organizing that you've done, which I'm assuming have mostly been like male dominated. Right. I think that's probably a good place to start. Yes. Yeah, I'll let you go first. On that one. <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's a heavy question. So like, I know, sorry. Parsing, no, no, no. It's no, it's good, though, because like, OK, like so I'll, I'll try to like talk about like the levels of it. Right. So like a lot of my organizing has been in the realm of like organizing specifically spaces that have been white and cis male like on overdrive right so there's like i do a lot of like uh community defense work right so like i teach people how to shoot guns and operate firearms and be safe around firearms and the culture of firearms right is like decidedly extremely perceived or projected and perceived as like white and male now of course like once you start to get into the actual culture you realize that's not true at all but like the owners of the culture right like the owners of like two a you know second amendment like two a culture is like very white, very cis, very male, very right wing. Like that's how it is, right? So it's like being in that space, it's 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 kind of suffocating, right? Like that's a good word for it. Yeah. Sorry, not to cut you off, but that's no, no, a very no. good word no. for it. Suffocating. It totally is. It's it's kind of suffocating. And it it um it's a constant like vigilance to be able to like push and and you know throw elbows to make space for other people right and 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 i should be clear like you know there are a lot of normies who are doing that like just because they're like i want to you know learn home defense and i want to you know protect my family like there are a lot of regular ass folks of color who take their kids to the range. There are a lot of like, you know, folks who get into hunting that, you know, are just regular folks. And they're and 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 those folks get erased in the like discussion of like mm-hmm. 2A or like guns in general or community yeah. defense in general. And so like it's not only creating a, a politicized space, but it's also creating a space for them, you know? And so The short answer is it's fucking difficult and it's fucking exhausting. And the long answer is it's also very complicated. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. One one thing I do want to know, too, um, and before, like, I get like your answer, but one thing I do want to know, too, is like 
the 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 Second Amendment, like I, I think people don't understand that, like, sure, like at that time, like you had to hunt, right? Like mm-hmm. you needed like mm-hmm. food, right? But also it was like the propagation of like genocide yep. and like slavery. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, like modern day police forces are literally descended not only from like union busting in the north, mm-hmm. but also slave catchers. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. So it, it just makes sense. Like the Black Panthers, for example, right? When they walked in into the state house in California, right, in the 70s, right? And they were armed. Right. To express their Second Amendment rights, but also like their Mm. militancy Mm -hmm. right, in the struggle Mm -hmm. for black determination. That's when Ronald Reagan, a fucking Republican governor of the state at the time, introduced gun legislation. And guess who who supported it? It was the fucking NRA threw a ton of money Uh behind that shit. Like people don't talk about that. enough. Yeah, Yeah. I I have a lot about I have a lot of like I I am a pro gun leftist. I I always want to make it abundantly clear like Hell I yeah. might be a femme person but I fucking believe in the proletariat being strapped to the T. Hell yeah. I am I like I always say I am not a kumbaya socialist like I <laughs> I am an armed communist. <laughs> hey. yeah. And I think some of these motherfuckers forget sometimes you know when they talk to you online you're like if I saw you on the street you'd shit yourself like <laughs> You know, anyway, that's enough about the haters. Uh, yeah. So to answer your question, I, I agree with, with Yessi at like our, our work is very different. I'm pretty firmly planted uh, in the DSA, not a CIA, just planted uh, <laughs> organ- organizationally. <laughs> Just organizationally, I, I, my, my home is DSA in Atlanta and, um, and I'm one of those DSA people. It's like, I'm not a cheerleader for it, but, um, I really do believe in its potential and uh, a lot of the amazing organizers Mm -hmm, in, mm -hmm. you know, not just locally, but nationally, you know, I've talked to so many amazing, educated, passionate fucking people. Yeah. Um, and we're all just creating this fucking beautiful thing from scratch. It's like creating a fucking galaxy, you know, mm. like it's, it's Damn. hard. Mm-hmm. It's hard. There's a lot, of, there are a lot of moving parts. Um, and it is hard being a femme person and organizing. Um, I mean, it's hard being a femme person everywhere, everywhere. But, uh, but in organizing, it's especially difficult because, you know, as a femme person, especially if you're a newer organizer, like myself, I, I think I've only been organizing for like maybe two and a half years or so, like seriously, uh, I got to say, there's a lot of emotional calculus to be done when yeah. you find yourself in a, in a position where someone's rude to you and mm-hmm. you suspect it's, you know, that they probably don't talk that way to like masculine people yeah. in the org. Um, you know, there's, there's conflicts that come up that there's just no, uh, there's no like reasoning your way out of because it's coming from an irrational bigoted place, you know, yeah, like learned behavior. Yeah. yeah. And there's a lot of like, there's a lot of white for fragility and masculine fragility. And uh, there's a lot of like toxic behaviors that just because you're in a leftist space, it's not going to be, you know, necessarily better than the real world, you know. Um, Mm -hmm. And in fact, I'd say like, it's not a good uh, representation of the real working class if we don't have those, you know, problematic fucked up people. But, you know, as a femme person, I think that really influences my idea of justice as well, Mm -hmm. because I am a very forgiving person, I like to think, um, because I myself have, you know, done fucked up things and been a fucked up person and been a generally a fuck up. Uh, (laughs) And if it weren't for people giving me multiple chances to grow and learn and heal myself, uh, I would not be here. You know, I'd not be able to help anybody else. So I try to like 
have a compassionate approach when people piss me off, but <laughs> it's hard sometimes. It's hard. Yeah. I'm going to say it's, it's difficult. It's complicated, but it's like, you know, what are you going to do? Not fight? You're like, what are you going to do? Not be in an organization? You know, at the end of the day, it's like, you kind of have to make that decision of like, you know, is, is it worth it? Exactly. You know, can I just say like, that's something that like, I really like deeply respect about you well, because you. like, well, cause like, here's the fucking thing is like, we're trying to build a new world in a world that wants to see us dead, right? And wants to see people exploited and wants to see people subjected to like the ex most extreme amounts of violence. So number one, the first thing that you notice is that like people are going to internalize that because it's constant, right? Mm -hmm. And then number two, the, the other thing that's super important is like the folks on the front lines doing that work of like building the new world are probably some of the most harmed folks, you know? Mm. Um, so rather than taking a punitive approach that only mimics the state, we need to take an approach that's nurturing, that's supportive and mm. like restorative, right? Right. And yeah. also addresses like it also holds people accountable and not in the liberal, hmm. not in the liberal sense of accountability where you do your your PR person, you know, writes a letter for you and yeah. everyone's yeah, like, oh my God. Yeah. Not in the performative sense of accountability, but in the real like actual communal sense of, mm -hmm. of accountability. Because you know, when some kind of violence happens against you, it's not just you that suffers. It's anyone in your orbit that you trust with that information. It's anyone in your community that was a witness to it. It's anyone in, you know, it's anyone in your orbit that has to then kind of interact with you afterwards on any level. Mm -hmm. um, it, it impacts everyone around the person that was harmed um, and has all sorts of tendrils of harm that spider out and, and affect that everybody. You know? yeah. That you can't even see. There's so much impact that is just not even calculated in things like, you know, violent crime. So I really do believe in like the restorative aspects of it, but I also believe in the accountability aspects of that approach because it's so important to when you've done wrong to just say you did it, yeah. like say you've done wrong, yeah. like, you know, I, I think it's a very difficult thing for human beings to do, but it's also we live in a very HR corporatized world where admitting to, that you've done harm is opening yourself wide open to punishment, yeah, exactly. like to further punishment that that will like leave you also harmed and not able to like to repair your thinking or like heal your thinking and, uh, you know, give that person restitution for what you did. Exactly. But anyway, I, yeah. I can go on and on yeah. about restorative justice. I'm like, so I'm like so psyched about it. No, I, I think that's important. Like one thing I want to say, um, like before we move on, like, is that, you know, I think that being on the left, I like the, the term like revolutionary or radical humanism, right? Hmm. It's like, yo, when our turn comes, best believe these motherfuckers is on site, right? But <laughs> at the same time though, right? The, the idea that the majority of the working class, right, are inherently like progressive, if you want to use that term, inherently like willing to adopt left wing views, right, that they don't retain vestiges, right, that they express manifestly of racism, of sexism, homophobia, transphobia, right, xenophobia, all of that, right? Like, it's kind of delusional to think that like, you'll be able to like, have people reconcile those contradictions within themselves just by telling them that living under a socialist society, right, is better for their lives, right? Mm -hmm. It's about actually finding solidarity and like you guys are talking about being forgiving, right? Mm -hmm. and, and one thing I want to jump to, and I, I'm, I'm thinking now, if y'all haven't seen this film, uh, we have to have a movie night Ooh, on Twitch I or something and we'll watch night. this. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. I, I don't even know what you're saying. And I I, I was just like, let's do it. Movie night. Yeah, I'm in. I, I would say for like my, but I don't do Twitch. Like I don't like 
I don't feel like I'm photogenic enough and like entertaining enough. Like Shut I would just be drinking up. white claws and smoking weed and shit and ignore Dude, everyone. You, you know, know you're I mean? a cutie, like, and I'm saying hey. that as a comrade. Come on, <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. don't give yourself enough credit. We're looking <laughs> respectfully. <laughs> We're looking very respectfully. <laughs> this is like DSA, like hot caucus right now. Yeah. Like exactly. These are how. <laughs> Um, I want to relate it back to like this idea of um, uh, social reproduction and learned behaviors, right? And uh, people who subconsciously sort of internalize, right? All of these isms. And this movie, Born in Flames, have either of you guys seen it? No. No. Oh, God. All right. So the reason why I brought the film up, when you guys were talking, I was thinking about this film, which was directed by Lizzie Borden in 1983. She's a radical feminist. Mm -hmm. And this film is about an alternative 1980s like America in which there was a revolution, right? A peaceful revolution, a social democratic revolution, right? Mm -hmm. A war of liberation is what they call it. And the film takes place 10 years after but we see like the minute the film starts that sexism, right? Like especially homophobia still exists and pervades like the society, mm -hmm. right? And I think, you know, I guess like to kind of bring it back, I know we touched on it, but I really do think that the mistake that a lot of people have on the left, right? Is this like optimism, mm. right? That just by changing material conditions, we'll be able to change like all of those, those things that, I mean, date back so far that people really can't even trace them, right? Mm -hmm. it, it's it's so embedded within a person and everyone, right? Like I've always said, like, yo, all men are trash, all white people suck, right? <laughs> you know what I mean? Because like, and that's a way to kind of make a fast argument is that that shit is so deep within you and learned that it, it it's much more difficult. I guess I'll bring this up and, uh, and we'll continue. But to highlight that, there's a scene in the film in which women are being laid off right? From a construction site because there's a work program, right? Mm -hmm. But women and black people are being laid off and a group of them chain up the gates, right? To the construction site and they're not letting anyone in. And the first guy that drives up is a man and she's trying to explain to him, right? One of the characters that, yo, we can't work. If we can't work, what do you think is going to happen to you? Mm -hmm. Right? Like it's fucked up, mm -hmm. right? What we need is like solidarity. But of course the guy doesn't listen, right? Mm -hmm. And I, I guess, like, what what do you guys think about? I know it's a large, like, expansive question, but like, how do we how do we overcome that shit? Like, what do you think is the best way, right, to practice that forgiveness, right, when we organize? Damn, <laughs> I know, my bad, yo. I can't answer that shit. Yeah, if you asked me, I'd have been like, I, I I'm, no, I passed. I think um, I have like kind of a, a kind of an answer to this because I was kind of turning around a issue with restorative justice in my head uh, the past couple weeks. And there's going to be times when people have not yet earned forgiveness, you know, like, I think it's really important to be forgiving. Um, but I think it's also time to know when that forgiveness has been earned. Um, and there's no easy answer to that at all. Like, I think it's really, um, it's going to be one of the like more difficult philosophical things we do post revolution is just coming up with these new modes of thinking about uh, accountability, forgiveness, and what it means to move forward after harm was done. Um, but I, it, it's, it's hard. It's really hard. It's one of those things that, um, you know, each instance, it kind of grants you a new opportunity to think about it and to really like weigh it emotionally. But you know, there's time, there's times when I'm feeling very forgiving and I have the patience of a saint. And then there's other times where someone will just say something that it, it's like just the last straw. Like it's like the last, like, it's like, I've used up all my patience and now I can't anymore. You know, I see a lot of femme people and I see a lot of black people in 
um, people of color online with this same issue. A lot of my mutuals, it's like they'll be patient and patient and patient in all their responses. And then something will happen. And you're like to an outsider not following what's going on. They're like, wow, why did they blow up about this one little thing? But it's like these microaggressions pile up Mm -hmm. and it makes it really difficult because it like what people perceive when you lose your cool and when you're like you're not in your best mindset it, it can really impact your ability to like organize going f- like further and it can really impact like your reputation and it really fucking sucks that there are those double standards basically so it's like i think in order to practice forgiveness uh, we have to especially with social media we have to just know when to like let someone work something out mm-hmm. um no, no, when to let your pet like comrades be petty, basically, because sometimes mm. that pettiness is an expression of trauma. It's mm-hmm. an expression of like of rage, like built up from have you know from being a marginalized person. Yeah. Um, and so I think understanding our comrades' blow ups as well as uh, you know looking out for them uh, after the fact, right? Talking them down when you think that they're harming themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's very important. So mm. yeah. I also feel like just to like add to that, I think it's really important for us to like look at different types of harm and treat them with care, like treat them with care and intentionality and due diligence. Like something I see a lot is conflicts getting elevated to these levels of where they've moved out of the realm of conflict because they've escalated so much. And now we're in a realm of like kind of abuse. Right. Mm. Um, And I, and I see that a lot because we don't treat the conflicts with care. Like we don't, you know, we don't, like Rara says, we don't give them space to like, kind of like have it out. Right. Mm-hmm. Cause it's healthy to express anger. I think it is, especially for folks who are often repressed, like BIPOC and queer folks who don't get to express their anger. Right. Like we're constantly supposed to be held to like this, like fucked up, like, you know, model standard. That's bullshit. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also think, if we were able to do that, if we're able to like give space for conflict to kind of exist, then folks who are harmed won't weaponize the language of abuse to get people to pay attention. Mm. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, That's a good point. I think when we do like what Rara says, like, you know, opening up that space for folks to like do the damn thing mm-hmm. and giving that the attention and, and like space and carrot that it deserves, like then we're starting to build new ways to think about conflict and new ways to think about how to like, address harm. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I think one thing that people have to understand is like, it's not just like a change, like a transformative change in material conditions, right. Or like a mode of production, but it's like a shift in social consciousness. Right. Mm. And like, I'm happy y'all said that because like, I have a lot of rage. I have a lot of hate in my heart for the right people though, you know? And like, sometimes like it does become hard, like to forgive people, not just online, but like in real life. Mm. Right. When someone I feel has slighted me like a white dude, right. Or a white woman or somebody just who, who I feel like is operating on these like preconceived notions and stereotypes of who they think I am. Mm. Right. It's easy, right. To get fucking mad. But I think at the end of the day, it's also like, well, man, we're all in this web of oppression and like the best that I can do, right. Is to try to be forgiving and let someone have an outlet to see like my humanity. Right. Mm-hmm. So they can like share their humanity with me as well. You know? Yeah, for sure. But that's hard. That's so hard. That's just hard and like fuck, we all deserve the grace to fuck up. Yes. There'll be some days where I'm just like, fuck that bitch. Like straight up. Like, yeah. Fuck yeah. you. I'm about to slap the shit out of this thing. Hell yeah. yeah. I know exactly yeah. what you're talking like, about. Like, again, like, just get you. Like, something something within you just, like, the, a, a switch is flipped, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. 
Um, I guess what I want to jump to next then is a part of my long ass question, which like went into many different things, which was good. I like that conversation a lot. But uh, today apparently is International Sex Workers Rights Day. Mm -hmm. Yes, it is. Which I did not know. And kind of going back to one thing I mentioned, right, and operating off of what we were talking about, there's this idea that uh, under socialism or communism, right, like sex work wouldn't exist, you know? <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Yo. So, yeah, and, old discourse. Yeah. Oh, fuck. <laughs> and one thing I want to add to that too that I've been thinking about, man, is that um, especially with uh, Sesta Fosta, which you know we can talk about as well. You guys can help me understand that too. Is this idea that like in Walmart, Amazon warehouses, increasingly right throughout like retail, right the service industry, workers are being surveilled, mm-hmm. right? I mean, these are the people that make your food. These are the people that like, you know, bag your groceries, right? All that shit. And what I noticed and realized was that like, yo, sex work has always been at the vanguard of like capitalist control and oppression. You know what I mean? And it makes a lot of sense, right? Given that like, I guess because of religious reasons and, you know, because of not just like sexist or misogynist reasons, but the idea that sex work itself, regardless of who is doing it, right, is something that is immoral, mm-hmm. you know, like as if like the the same person uh, working at like Walmart, right, isn't expending the same amount of energy, right? If not also under conditions that, especially with sex work, that like are inherently like controlled through domination and like an imbalance of power. So um, what do y'all think like about this idea, right, <laughs> about like, sex work being something that w- wouldn't exist anymore, right? Under a perfect, like, uh, egalitarian, social egalitarian society. I'll let you go first, Yessie. Okay. <laughs> you look like you want to say well, something. <laughs> okay, so, like, here's the here's the part that always gets me. So, like, I, you know, I was a sex worker. Um, I did erotic massage. I worked out of a sanctuary, and I also did had my own clients uh, when I was in my 20s. And, you know, I was a fucking worker. Like, mm. I was a worker, you know, and I'm not I I, I don't even mean that in like a like I had a hard work ethic. No, like I was straight up laboring like I was doing work. And I think that this discourse, this moralism that is applied to this job in a way that isn't applied to another job where you use your body. First of all, that flattens the discourse in a way that that that's really harmful. Right. Like because. When you flatten the discourse that way, you can't talk about like how sometimes your job sucks. Yeah. Like <laughs> it fucking sucks. Or like sometimes there are workplace hazards, like shitty clients, right? Like it 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 gets compounded in this moralism. And so to say like to say like that, you know, move it to the discourse of like of like whether or not sex work would exist in the perfect utopian socialist like post-revolution society i think like it just it 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 still displays that moralism right because there first of all there are a lot of fucking jobs that wouldn't exist Mm -hmm. in a fucking you know perfect utopian socialist society and we don't talk about that Mm -hmm. you know Uh, and secondly it's once again uh denying the proletarian power of a sex worker to be like you're superfluous like Mm -hmm. this is this is the basis of that so like i just i just i fucking hate that like discourse so much yeah you know i hate it i hate it too um but for like for all the reasons you listed but also just historically it's just fucking stupid yeah Yeah. exactly how many communists like okay like just 
from a historical perspective, like it's like a real utopian kind of like, oh, yeah, like nothing uncomfortable exists under socialism or communism. And it's like, guess what? Uh, If sex work is the most uncomfortable job under communism, like count yourself lucky because like there's plenty of physical fucking jobs or intellectual or emotional jobs that can take their fucking toll on you. And sex work, consensual sex work, it doesn't even jump to the top of my list of like how fucking damaging that shit can be. Mm-hmm. Um, like a lot of the the most dangerous, fucked up aspects of sex work will be a lot better under communism. Yeah. Because I mean, while I don't, it's never going to disappear. It's that's my theory mm-hmm. is that sex work will always be there. My theory is that if if you're looking for a perfect utopian society, like utopian, uh, you know, communist society, wouldn't you like want sex workers that exactly. just wanted their occupation to fuck? Like, exactly, exactly, exactly. <laughs> uh, I can I can name ten people off the top of my head that love like fucking more than like an office job. <laughs> well, if we if we think of a society in which like workers own the means of production, yeah, like owning your own fucking body, right, mm. and having control over that, yeah, right, is like the most important thing is a human being yeah a lot of a lot of sex workers now can claim that i mean like we are you know the experiences we sell we sell with our with our body and our time and uh you know and our intelligence and um it it, that's a very radicalizing place to be like to be that close to your labor Mm -hmm. you know you are like when people put directly the cash in your hand after you hung out with them for a couple hours whether you're massaging or stripping or you know doing full service or Mm -hmm. You know, doing a dom sub session, like when you get that money in your hand for the first time as a sex worker, you're like, damn, yeah. I, I am a damn worker. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. such an immediate, that, that's, that's such an immediate feeling. And so when things threaten that, when things threaten that, that money in your hand so directly as they do with, with every single sex worker in this country that's struggling right now. Um, it is really hard not to be radicalized, mm. uh, in, in the left direction mm-hmm. because you see how, like how corrosive, uh, these current systems are like on a firsthand basis, you are like right at the front and center of these struggles, you know? Um, and I think it's always, I think it's, it's really naive to assume that sex workers are just going to just fall back into the shadows once communism is, you know, like we're going to just like disappear yeah. into the ether. Mm-hmm. It's just not true. Yeah. W- one thing like like uh, Yezzy said, and you touched on too, Rara, is like uh, the moralism, right? And it seems that like, you know, ideology and succeeding modes of production always have vestiges, right? Mm-hmm. Like ideological vestiges, right? Hegemonic, you know, vestiges, right? Used to control people, right? Um, from the preceding like mode of economic production, even with like, you know, uh, a nascent like left-wing movement, like it seems like moralism is a vestige of liberalism, right? It's this like, sort of individualizing, right? And atomizing of systemic issues, right? Of virtue and saying that like, as long as we change like this person's mind or even a group of people that are somehow like individualized on mass, you know, then like, it'll be okay. But it's like, no, dude, like it's about material conditions and also like what people want and need, mm-hmm. you know? Like, I mean, there's a reason that they call it like the world's oldest profession, <laughs> you know? Like, that's not like just a fucking like joke. Like it's serious, mm-hmm. like it's real. It, I think it leads back to like just this human desire for like flesh, right? Not even just comfort, 
not even just like carnal, but just other people, mm-hmm. right? Like proximity. Yeah. Wise. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Proximity wise. Absolutely. Yeah. And like, I, I don't know. I always think of like sex work as like a hydra, mm-hmm. you know, it's like anytime you cut off like a, a fucked up website or anytime some new fucked up law comes into place at the end of it, like two other options pop up that sex workers develop themselves and cultivate mm-hmm. themselves through our own community. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's like a really, really strong testament to the power of us as a, as a group, like as a block, you know, like I don't know any other profession where you have to be nearly as technologically nimble mm-hmm. um, as like as flexible, as um, emotionally, um, like, sturdy. Like, it really, to have any longevity in this business, you have to be really fucking smart and really tough. And those are not things that necessarily every job requires. So it's like, Mm -hmm. these are people you Mm -hmm. want in the vanguard because we fucking know what it takes, you know? The resilience, the the creativity. Um, Even, like, so when I was when I was working versus now, like Rara and I were talking about it and I was just like, yeah, like the level of the level of like production value and just like quality and, you know, just breadth of skill is so different from when I was doing it to now. Like, it's just like sex workers just get stronger and stronger every year and like more badass and more badass every year. It's just like, damn. Yeah. I mean, I had to learn how to fucking uh, use Bitcoin because of my job. (laughs) (laughs) Like you put that shit on your fucking like fucking resume, yo. I know Bitcoin miners. Like (laughs) we're amazing. Like this shit's amazing. Like the subculture, like this a lot of this shit too, you don't see on Twitter because it's like this is shit that we keep in between ourselves to keep each other safe, right? So we have good operational security. Like we know what it's like to like look out for each other and and practice community defense. Like it's a revolutionary culture. It it really is. It really what we need on mass, yeah. Yeah, and and it you can learn a lot from being a part of a sex worker community like you really can it's i found it to be much more radicalizing than any of my years as a leftist combined like Mm. literally being a sex worker has like made me way more of a communist like Mm. (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. one thing you mentioned rara that i kind of wanted to go over um is you talked about like you know all of these obstacles right that are put up many times by liberals as I'll talk about in a minute, but Sesta Foster, right, was one of them, uh, which Kamala Harris, uh, I think, like co-wrote or endorsed. Mm-hmm. Can you kind of explain like what that bill did, right, for sex work and the uh, the danger, right, through again this kind of moralism, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, um, that like it's created. Okay, so like the long story short, with Sesta Foster, um, Sesta and Foster are two different. Um, bills and they were both um, enact. I think they were both passed in like uh, 2018. So right when I was starting sex work actually um, is when they passed like probably like a month afterwards. And um, and basically like Sesta and FOSTA are like the state and the federal bills for anti-trafficking laws. Mm-hmm. And what they did was um, I'm going to try to just like quote this because I can never like remember how to like I am not a tech person, by the way. Like <laughs> I if, if anyone wants to correct me on this, 
please do. But um, so in the like actual bill, it says no provider or user of an interactive computer service shall be treated as the publisher or speaker of any information provided by another information content provider. So this is part, section, uh, this is section 230. So this is something that was uh, in section 230 of the 1996 Communications Decency Act. And this is a lot to remember, but just the, the section 230 was good because it basically um, was like a, a website cannot be held responsible if someone was trafficked through it. Mm. Mm. Now, what Testa Fosta did, um, it, it's, it creates an exception, I, I guess, for like... Um, basically, Testa Fosta is bad because what it did was it made companies uh, liable for if someone was sex trafficked through the site and they could prove it, um, that that website would be held liable. Mm. Shit. So that's it. What caused what happened was it caused a cascade of uh, censorship issues where all these platforms were, were now terrified of having any kind of like sexualized content on there that was even remotely suspicious and suspicious could have been anything. Yeah. Um, and the thing is, is a lot of these social media websites, they don't have people actually actively going through these reports uh, when people report uh, inappropriate activity, right? And inappropriate activity could be like somebody posting a full-on like spread eagle pussy shot on Instagram, right? A lot of times that's not going to a real person. That's going mm. to an algorithm that determines like, mm. you know, uh, it, it goes to a fucking program, right? That, that determines uh, if it's appropriate or not. And so a lot of these times these algorithms fail and they and they ended up like fucking over sex workers um, who are not doing like I I had to shut down my work at Instagram because pictures of me fully clothed, not even remotely sexual, were just getting flagged and taken down and getting me suspended from Instagram. Jesus. This is like the pinnacle of what's happening with this, uh, by the way, because Instagram got even stricter with their um, with their TOS recently in the past mm. like couple months. Um, so it, it's becoming basically as a sex worker, like you are so reliant these days on social media to have any kind of like following or and which is your client base mm -hmm. pretty much. So these laws are making it more difficult because um, they don't want anything that could be a liability on their website. So a lot of sexualized uh, content or a lot of just sexy content is going is getting shut down and people's accounts are getting uh, shut down. Um, people like e even on the websites that we use personally, um, like people's OnlyFans getting shut down for suspicious activity or something like that. Jesus. And their money getting trapped, getting trapped in the ether. Mm. Um, payments not going through because they're suspicious. Uh, like, like, you know, your bank account being shut down, your cash app being shut down, your Venmo being shut down, mm. all the effects of Sesta Fasta. Um, because, and all these apps, a lot of these apps are not accountable to anybody. Mm. Um, and when you sign the, um, the agreements, the, the terms of agreement, um, sometimes in the, that agreement, it says they can just shut down your account whenever. No. So it's kind of like similar to like what happened with the Wall Street bets thing, um, where people's Robinhood accounts were getting shut down yeah. randomly. And it's like, oh, it turns out that's in the terms of service. They can just do that. Yeah. Um, Jesus. Or, or like, or it's like, oh yeah, this app, it's not regulated whatsoever. So yeah, they can pretty much do whatever they want. Um, and just take the, uh, you know, take the fee from the FEC or whatever. SEC? SEC. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's kind of like similar to what's happening, but like sex workers on a much larger scale yeah. and it's been happening for years. Yeah. And yeah. So yeah. 
anyway, that that is like my horrible explanation of it. Um, I'm always really bad at describing the policy. I just know the outcomes because I've been a victim of it. Um, and it's kind of like hard to talk about because I feel sometimes way too close to it. Yeah, uh, yeah. But yeah, Yessi, I don't know if you, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I do want to do a, like a better episode about explaining SESTA-FOSTA at some point. Yeah, I think it's super important to do, especially, you know, because there's a lot of, uh, I don't know if y'all were... Aaron, I don't think you were. I think we talked about this already, but like in our organization in DSA, there's definitely discourse about um, sex workers and sex work autonomy and the ability to like for sex workers as workers to work. Um, uh, Rara, were you at were you at convention in 2019? I was, but I was like a volunteer for like one day. <laughs> oh, OK, yeah. So I was a delegate for my chapter. Um, I was like. Seven months, seven and a half months pregnant, waddling around Atlanta in August. God damn. I'm so sorry. I, know. I can't I even know. do that. Rough. Fucking like, that was a really wait. hot weekend. I can't even do that now. I'm like 135 soaking wet. I'm like dead, yo. I get half a block and I pass out, yo. <laughs> um, but but one of the things that came up, and I think it's still like a very important like thing that we need to constantly check is that um, there was a, I believe there was a resolution um, against SESTA FOSTA. And someone challenged it on the floor. Um, and so like a ton of people stood up and, you know, as a former sex worker, like civvy now, but I was, you know, in it for a long time and I waddled my way up to the mic and, you know, wanted to speak on it. But like, that's something that we have to do constantly mm -hmm. um, yeah. in our org, outside of our org is like challenge these notions of like what is actually um, helpful to workers and what is harmful, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's crazy because I'm um, so I actually did like a present presentation last year um, to our chapter's labor group because they were like, hey, do you want to come into like a working group meeting and explain what sex work is and like why sex workers rights are important to the labor movement? And so I did this presentation for our group and um, and it's amazing. Like I was doing like a Q&A session and I was like, it's amazing how this terminology that I'm using that's every day for my line of work is so like the lay person who even people who consume porn mm -hmm. like online or, 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 you know, seek out sexual services online where like, I, I feel like a lot of people are not familiar with the culture at all. Mm. And this like lack of familiarity, like this, um, Again, I think this is like, I think this is uh, something that's being disrupted, but like this mystique around the culture this mystique around the industry serves to uh, separate us as laborers, yeah. like, you know, as workers from each other. Um, and when I talk to people about like terminology and sex work, um, I'm always just shocked about how little people actually know. And it, to me, it's just kind of like common sense stuff. But to other people, it's like I'm speaking a different language, yeah. you know, like. Yeah, I think I think like one thing that like, you know, I think is so important, like to underscore, like talking about this is that uh, like sex sells, like we all know this, right? Like in America, right? But it's the monopolization of the commodification of sex, right? So like you brought up a good example, Rara, like uh, an analogy of parallel with the Wall Street bets, right? Once it's like just a bunch of individuals who get together in a group, right? And like begin to like kind of shift the scales in power or like even like perceptibly so, right? Even no matter how small it is, right? It becomes a problem, mm -hmm. you know? So the idea that like individuals, right, could conduct their own personal business, right, on these websites, which are not even given like, you know, concrete strict rules, right? Which seems like, you know, like not just an oversight, but intentional, right? Like you can like make money off of this until we see that it's a problem, 
Right. Right. And at that minute, right, like all of like your funds or resources are at risk, you know, and I guess too, like the the thing I think with it's like, you know, there's there was this bifurcation with factory workers, right, who worked in manufacturing, right, and then the service industry, right, where as deindustrialization, like, you know, spread across America, all these companies go overseas and factories close, like you get this like growing like service sector in which people are alienated from each other mm-hmm. and able to like achieve the same kind of like mass organizing and mass politics that, you know, they were in the past, mm-hmm. you know, and I think sex work is again, like so indicative and at the vanguard, right. Of like, you know, a, a broad, like working class movement because like folks are so alienated. Right. And even by like so-called leftists and organizers, right, who know nothing, right, about that struggle, right, it it, it becomes like much harder, right, to achieve like the goals that we all have. Because again, and I think this is the theme of what we were talking about too, it's really like chipping away at like that internalized ideology, right? Mm -hmm. Right, that like hegemony, that cultural hegemony that you've internalized, right? over like so long your whole entire life yeah we should talk, we should go back to the gun girl thing because i had some thoughts about that okay. like um, yeah i had i had some thoughts about it <laughs> all right let's, let's so let's like go back to that too i guess like to end it off too uh like i guess there's a difference between i'm trying to find a way to put this i guess there's a difference between like a grifter you know what i mean yeah. like even if you're not doing it for money but for clout right versus like using like sex and sexual imagery as a way to like not only like attract and entertain people but also like slide in some political education right 100 percent. yeah but there's that like so it ended off like there's that gap how do you not be a socialist gun girl on twitter i guess is what I'm <laughs> well first of all nobody should be uh posting their guns on twitter that's bad opsec yes, what's wrong with it you? is i'm gonna smack you if i see you um yeah don't don't post your actual weapons like <laughs> and don't post them with your uh glass and optics and sights installed backwards oh. <laughs> oh, no. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I, I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. no, it's, I, I just no, get so upset. Like I know. I or or um with bad like trigger safety e- that fucking kills me. Like someone just like with like finger heavy on that trigger, and you're just like, this is the worst thing I've ever seen. I have so much anxiety get that right now. Booger hook off the bang <laughs> switch, please. <laughs> 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 trigger safety don't fucking show off on social media keep that shit to yourself uh <laughs> take polaroids like a normal person um, yeah but seriously uh <laughs> no I, gun girls uh I, I i know some of them they're great uh <laughs> um but i think like sexuality does have place in revolution because you know we are fighting um you know we are fighting sexual oppression too yeah. i mean we are we are in a profoundly alienated you know conservative society that punishes promiscuity and punishes experimentation Mm -hmm. um and we should be fighting against that we should be because it's fucked up and it's also just boring and uh nobody wants to fucking hang with a boring uh puritanical leftist so if anything that's what you should do for clout is just you know if you can't say anything nice just shut the fuck up uh (laughs) yeah yeah that's always a good rule to go by (laughs) sexual sex you know what sneaking in political messages uh via sex yes Absolutely. I'm a propagandist myself, so I'm for it. Yeah. yeah. I love that. I love that. I I think I think like we we mostly agree. My thing with like the gun girl thing. Okay, it's like twofold, right? Because it's like 
So gun bunnies exist, right? On the they're called gun bunnies on the right. That's adorable. Yeah, gun bunnies. That that makes a lot of sense too. Like coming from a conservative, like diminutive, like bunnies, (laughs) right? They wouldn't be like gun rhinos, but they're like gun bunnies, right? Um, but but that's the thing is like this idea of like hypersexualizing a tool that has one job and that job is to fucking kill. Mm. I think for me, like I 100 percent agree with the OPSEC position. Don't don't just don't post your guns online. Like don't post your guns online, yeah. you know. Um, but I also think like if you're like the extent of your politic is like the gun, then you're fucking up. Mm. You're fucking up. Like, even if you're like your your realm is community defense, guns are the smallest part of community defense. Yes. It's so much more shit beyond that. And so, like, if all you're doing is posting like pics of yourself with your guns and trying and, and this goes for like not just gun girls, but anyone who like is like, I'm you know, I'm I'm a leftist with a gun and, and this is like this is how I'm building clout. Like yeah. if that's like the brand you're trying to build, you're you're antithetical to the movement because there's so much more, so much greater that's part of building a substantive movement that's predicated around community defense. And I just feel like, you know what? Like it's just so useless mm. as far as like as far as like being a hoe and like espousing leftist politics and that, like get that, get that 100%. But Be a like, thought again this Yes, time. I like that. That's cute. I'm going to borrow that. I didn't make it up. I wish Damn, I made that up. <laughs> well, there is, a, there is an account, uh, there is an account called Thoughtaganda and I believe they go by uh, they, she, um, but they are a sex worker. I, I, I'll double check that for y'all later, but yes. I'm, I'm 100% yeah, certain that that is a black sex worker named Thoughtaganda. Yes. Hey. Yes. <laughs> But yeah, going back to the gun thing, like it just it drives me it drives me up the wall because like I'm constantly trying to get people to like adopt the like the basic safety rules and like like using your weapon as like a like a a sexualized object is just so antithetical to that. Like it has one job to fucking kill. It it also assumes like a right wing framework, Mm -hmm. right? Like the sexualization of like this fucking like machine that Mm -hmm. can like mow people down. Right. Mm-hmm. Damn, dude. Yo, I gotta have you back, Yezzy, to talk about like community defense. Like That's maybe fun. on the Patreon. Though. Yeah. You know, the FBI will have to like, pay for it if you want. <laughs> All, right. All right, y'all. Y'all, this was an amazing I've been I've been wanting to do this conversation for a minute, you know? Yeah. Because like I don't I don't think that like again, these like, you know, white cis like het male podcasts, right? I don't know how many of them are doing or have had episodes, conversations, right, with sex workers, right, like about sex, sexuality. So, like, yeah, when I was thinking of Atomic Monsters, especially because, again, like, yeah, man, like that shit is like the vanguard. Like, sex work is really the vanguard, right? We're we're out here. Like, y'all are the vanguard, yo. Hell yeah, yo. Before uh, before I let y'all go, I know we talked about it at the beginning, but what do y'all have to plug so people can check out and shit? So we have the Patreon. Everyone's doing it. It's the hot, cool thing. Um, mm-hmm. Patreon.com slash Hot Girl Agenda. And if you subscribe, I'll send you a free sticker. Yay! Yeah. yeah. Oh, and then we also we're on Twitter now at Hot Girl Agenda. Oh yeah. Yes, he was kind enough to set it up, and I'm we're trying to tweet. So go follow us. We're also going to be posting show updates there. So yeah, yeah. and uh, and then our our personal ads 
Mine is uh, stolen velour underscore. Follow me there. And mine's uh, at Island Goth. Yeah, follow me there. Also, I have a TikTok at X-Ray Island. So I mostly put food, but I'm, I will start doing political stuff soon. So yeah. Okay, but your yeah. food picks are so revolutionary, though. Thank like, you. Really? I've Sorry. never heard. The plate discourse, I was like, yes, God. Yes, God. Like, I'm not trying um, to spend all this time. I'm about to, like, drop some really good tomorrow food TikToks on y'all because... <laughs> My heart is fluttering right now. Yeah. Like, I need to get on TikTok. TikTok. (laughs) Yo, y'all, like all the listeners, I recommend you like subscribe to the Patreon. You listen to enough neck beard, like, you know, (laughs) fucking like white man podcast, like fucking like, come on, yo, spread the memes, you know, help people out. And uh, I'm happy I had this conversation with y'all. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Hell yeah. If you like this interview and want to support us, go to patreon.com slash adampod and become a patron for exclusive content, including weekly news updates. 